Well, good morning, church, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Here we are, Christmas Eve 2023. Who's got everything ready for tomorrow? Presents are wrapped, food's all prepared. I'm not seeing many hands. Is that today's job? Who wants to admit that they're going to the mall after church this morning to buy the last-minute gifts? Anyone else want to admit that this morning? But no, it's so great to be with you this morning, and welcome to those of you joining us online as well. You know, before I get into my message this morning, I have a little bit of news to share with you all, and it's regarding Carl, our lead pastor, Carl. You see, on Thursday afternoon, he tested positive for COVID. And so he is deeply, deeply saddened to not be gathering with us today as we celebrate Christmas Eve together as a church. I know he is absolutely gutted, but I do know that he is watching online. And so, Carl, we want to say a special Merry Christmas to you as well. We love you from here at our La Vida campus. We love you. We hope you're able to have a wonderful holiday and a break, and we're praying that you feel better very soon. Amen? Amen. Amen. But you see, the interesting thing was that Carl was actually due to preach this morning. Carl was meant to be delivering this message here, and in fact, on Thursday, the day that he tested positive, that very morning, he had written his sermon for this morning. And so here I have in front of me are Carl's sermon notes that he has entrusted to me to preach to you all this morning. And so I will do my very best to preach Carl's message to us all here on Christmas Eve. To be honest, I think I've got a pretty good gig, actually. I mean, Carl has done all of the hard work and preparation and getting this message ready, and I just get to get up here and hand it, it's handed to me on a silver platter to deliver to you all this morning. Who needs ChatGPT when you can get Carl to write your messages for you? But it's awesome. And I trust that you love Christmas. You know, for us as the church, it's an incredible time of celebration and joy as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, but also all the food and the presents and everything else that comes along with this wonderful day. But I know that for some, if not many, the, fi- the family dynamics at Christmas are not always easy. Christmas family gatherings for some are difficult. You know, ba- balancing families to visit or broken families has its fair share of challenges for some. And so when I say that we love Christmas, I'm not just talking about your gatherings tomorrow, although I know that for many it's some of the most joyous family times of the year. What I say when we love Christmas is we love what Christmas truly means for us as followers of Christ, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. From that first Christmas, the arrival of Christ, till now, we have so much to thank God for. You know, Jesus was the first sign of real hope for a world at the time was ruled by Rome. And Rome ruled the people with an iron fist. Caesar ruled the Jewish people harshly. Judea was one of the farthest places, farthest corners of the Roman Empire, a land full of ancient traditions and religious fervor. However, decades of Roman rule had caused huge resentment and horrible tension. 
The people of God were once again not free. I can imagine for them looking throughout their history and they would be thinking, here we are again oppressed by another foreign empire. They can look back and think, oh, we've had the Babylonians, we've had the Assyrians, we've had everything else. Now it is Rome. And they had prophecy of a Messiah that would one day be born to them. Prophecy had become their hope. The idea that one day the Messiah would be born to deliver them. And in the word of Jesus spread, hope had now entered the world. Hope was no longer just an idea or a prophecy. It was now a person and his name was Jesus Christ. What could this mean for them? How this could and would change everything. But nothing of his arrival was what was expected. This was not the picture that God's people had of their king's arrival to deliver them and set them free from their oppressors. He didn't arrive to trumpet sounding and huge fanfare. That was not the story. He didn't arrive to royalty or people of great wealth and status. From the cradle to the cross, he was not what the people expected. His life was not what any of us would have chosen for our King, Jesus. If we had a say over the arrival of the Messiah, we, I don't think we would have chosen the story of Mary and Joseph giving birth to Jesus in a dirty manger in Bethlehem. If you were the author and the architect of the coming of Christ, how would you have written the plan up? What would have been your blueprint? How would you have done it? What would have been your plan? But through prophecy, we see that God, who is the architect of our eternal hope and salvation found in Christ, had a different plan. He was giving us a picture from the outset that his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts, not our thoughts. Listen to the first few verses of Isaiah 53, as he prophesies, describing the coming of the Lord. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and held in low esteem. You know, in that new song that we just sung, Manger Throne, which is an amazing song, the song starts with this very thought. The lyrics say, You could have stepped into creation with fire for all to see and brought every tribe and nation to their knees, arriving with the host of heaven in royal robe and crown, the rulers of the earth all bowing down. But that was not God's plan for the coming of Christ. As the song goes on, you chose meekness over majesty, wrapped your power in humanity. He humbled himself to become Emmanuel, God with us. He could have arrived in all his glory and marched into the heart of Rome, showing them splendor and wonder and power like they had never seen or heard of before. Can you imagine it? 
You know, Rome was the superpower of the day. The greatest empire the world had ever seen conquered the known world from Judea all the way to England, the mightiest people. Jesus could have stepped down from heaven in all his glory and with one breath brought every nation to their knees in worship. But he chose another story. He chose a manger throne. Not born into royalty in a palace, but into humble Bethlehem, the creator of the universe in the arms of common man, trusted to the very ordinary Mary and Joseph. Father God knew best. He knew the perfect plan for redemption for humanity, signaling that he came to seek and save the lost, to be the savior of the whole world, not just the rich and the prominent, to show humanity what true humility looks like, to show the everyday common person how to walk with God, how to live in a corrupt world and with love and care for all people, to teach and equip and prepare people for the kingdom of God, and to live with that kingdom in mind, to make that the priority of your life. What a perfect plan. God had delivered to us in Jesus. But it's not a plan that we would ever devise or imagine. Jesus was divine in birth, born with a divine purpose, because he was born to ultimately die. He had purpose from cradle to the cross. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 6. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus, our Savior, lived the perfect life. From cradle to the cross, he lived sinless, not in palaces or in privileges, but in the, among the everyday common person, showing us how to live and love and obey God, serving people wherever he went, and showing us that we also have purpose in this world. When we gave our lives to Jesus, recognizing him as Savior and allowing him then to be Lord of our lives, we also took on the purpose of death, that we would die to ourselves and would then be born again into new life in Christ. As the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 17, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human perspective. How differently we know him now. How many of you can say that this morning? How differently do we know him now? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And so our death is not a physical death on a cross, It is a spiritual death to ourselves. 
Our selfish nature must die. Jesus showed us that as we put others first, we love others, we serve others, we give for others, we help others, we are no longer the center of our lives, Jesus is. And Jesus says to his disciples that they are to take up their cross and follow him. That every day we are to take up our cross again, pick up our cross. Every day we die to ourselves and we choose to put Christ and other people ahead of ourselves. As Paul the Apostle says, I have become a servant of the gospel, a slave of Jesus Christ. That was the cross that Paul the Apostle picked up every day. He understood that his whole purpose now was to see the gospel advance and to see others filled with the hope of Jesus Christ. That was his life's purpose as it is ours today. His life was no longer about serving himself. It was about serving others. Jesus showed us another way. And when we die to self, we find life in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. As Ephesians 4, to 24 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is why Christmas is such a great time for us to remember the true selfless love of God as he selflessly gave his son, Jesus. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He was sent to common people to show us that it's for the whosoever. Whosoever believes in him, the savior of the entire world, the savior for both Jew and Gentile, the lowest of the low, the poorest of the poor, and the wealthy and the powerful, slave and free. What a gift we have been given at Christmas. What a gift God has given to us. And as you give your gifts tomorrow, remember it is an act of selfless love, of putting others first. And it's a symbol of the greatest gift we have, could ever have received. The Father gave his one and only Son. Going back to our song, Manger Throne, it has the lines, from heaven to the cradle, from the cradle to the cross, let heaven and nature sing. This is our king. But the grave couldn't hold him. Our God has overcome. Let heaven and nature sing. This is our king. Jesus came so he could die for the sins of the world. God's answer to man's mess, our sinful mess had separated us from God. But Jesus' death and resurrection opened the way for us to have relationship with the Father. The grave could not hold him. Our God has overcome. Jesus' death has overcome the grave. Where, O death, is your sting? And through his sacrifice, his sacrifice on the cross, the power of death has been swallowed up in overwhelming victory that we can be made right with God. 
that we can receive grace and mercy. Through the cross, forgiveness is now ours in Christ. He bore our sin and his shame upon himself. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus chose obedience to the Father over the convenience of his flesh. He chose conviction over convenience. He chose conviction over convenience. He had already decided that the will of his Father was more important than his own comfort. That was his conviction. That obedience to God was his greatest desire. And he had already made that decision so he didn't have to make the choice. He had decided in his heart that obedience to God was the greatest thing he could ever do. That was his life's conviction and his purpose. He simply obeyed the will of his Father in heaven. And isn't that a challenge for us today as we follow in Jesus' footsteps? To choose conviction over our own convenience. You know, it's not always convenient to live in our world today as a follower of Christ, to live out the biblical principles that we know to be true, to hold to a biblical sexual ethic, to hold to a moral standard for living, to be willing to be disliked and go against the culture of the day, to stand against the ever-shifting sands of culture. You know, the world will always often choose convenience over conviction, Choose what's easy, choose what best suits me, choose what's going to best benefit me. And so when we are living a life of conviction over convenience, those worlds are always going to clash. You know, the world wants young people and our generation to choose what is convenient for them over holding to biblical convictions. Instead of choosing to be obedient to God, just to go with the flow and keep your faith quiet. But Jesus' life shows us that our model for life today is to live with a conviction that the Word of God is the highest standard for our lives and that biblical living is the best plan for us today. Conviction over whatever the world will try and have us do. Jesus' life, he was born and he lived his life in total surrender and obedience to the Father. He showed us the way, and because he lived in this world as Emmanuel God with us, he can sympathize with the challenges we face in this life. He faced temptation and difficult people. I'm sure he had some difficult family members. He went through rejection and betrayal, suffered loss and walked through grief. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I feel that someone here needs to hear that this morning. You can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You don't need to be insecure. You don't need to think that your past life has disqualified you from the grace of God. Because of the cross, you can have confidence as you approach God's throne 
And what's his throne of? It's not of judgment. It's not of anger. It's not of rejection. No, it is a throne of grace. Your past life does not disqualify you from the grace of God. You can hold your head high, even if it is only a little bit of confidence. Approach his throne of grace again this Christmas to find mercy and help in your time of need. And so this Christmas again, as we consider what Jesus' birth has meant for us, as we pause and we reflect on his life, his death, and his resurrection, as we consider his journey from heaven to the cradle and cradle to the cross, let us again be moved with incredible gratitude. Let thanksgiving rule in our hearts. No matter your family dynamic tomorrow, whether you gather alone or with 70 family members, whether in a palace or a shelter, we have so much to be grateful for. That's the power of the story of Christ at Christmas. He is worthy of our praise and our worship. We have faith, hope, joy, and peace, all wrapped in the love of God found in Christ. This Christmas, we can stop again and give incredible thanks for Jesus. We can reflect on how Jesus chose conviction over convenience as the model for us to follow. We have so much to reflect on all over again. And I pray that as you consider Christ again tomorrow, that you would feel the incredibly generous and lavish love that God has given to us in sending his own son to earth. The birth of Christ is a testament to the power of hope and love and redemption. In the humble town of Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago, a miracle unfolded, altering the course of human history. The arrival of Jesus Christ, born to Mary and Joseph, bringing the embodiment of God's love and his mercy, offering all of humanity a chance for reconciliation with the Father. The birth of Christ serves as a beacon of hope in the sea of despair that many find themselves in in this life. The promise of peace to all and great joy for all people as the angel proclaimed. And the significance of Jesus' birth is not only in the miraculous circumstances surrounding it, but the profound impact it has had in our world and continues to have. Have you not today, 2,000 years later, been impacted by the birth of Jesus? Does it not still impact you every day? Has it not totally transformed your life? The birth of Jesus brings the message of reconciliation. A God of love in heaven, who at great sacrifice to himself put his love for all of us as his priority. This Christmas season reminds us that in the midst of challenges and trials, there is always room for love and generosity. Let us reflect on the enduring power of this incredible event. The reminder that even in our brokenness, there is always hope. The story of Jesus' birth challenges us to strive for a world where love triumphs over hatred, compassion over indifference, conviction over convenience, and where the transforming power of the gospel guides us to hope for a new world. If I could have the worship team join me again. 
You know, in a moment, we're going to sing that new song again, Manger Throne. But before we do, I want to read to you some of the lyrics again. I want to allow it as I do to let the wonder of the gospel to well up in your spirit again. From heaven to the cradle, from cradle to the cross, let heaven and nature sing. This is our king. But the grave couldn't hold him. Our God has overcome. Let heaven and nature sing. This is our king. All hail the king. All hail the king. All hail the king. Glory be to you alone, the king who reigns from a manger throne. My life, my praise, everything I own to Jesus, the king on a manger throne. My life, my praise, everything I own to Jesus, king on a manger throne. And as we are reminded of God's incredible love and generosity this Christmas, let's allow those final lines to be the overflow of our hearts. Glory be to you alone, the King who reigns from a manger throne. My life, my praise, everything that I own, everything that is within me to Jesus. And Jesus alone, the King, on a manger throne. Would you stand with me if you are able as I pray? Heavenly Father, I pray as we gather in the excitement of Christmas, Lord, we lift our hearts today in complete gratitude. I pray that you would bless us all today with fresh love and joy and peace. Lord, I pray you would give strength to those who are facing challenges, to comfort those who are grieving, and hope to those who feel weary. And in the midst of tomorrow's celebrations, let us not forget how truly blessed we all are. Despite our different circumstances, may our hearts be open to share kindness and generosity. May the light of Christ shine brightly in our hearts. Bless our homes with love and unity and laughter. May the truth of Christmas fill our souls to overflowing. That this Christmas we again would approach your throne of grace with confidence. With confidence because you came. Your purpose from heaven to the cross, your purpose to die as a ransom for many, that whoever places their faith and their trust in you will not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, we thank you for that incredible hope. Let this Christmas time be an incredible time of joy and celebration as we, as that hope overflows in our hearts. We thank you for your incredible love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together.